Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think. This is our podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists' perspective. We use a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to our show today. We are excited to be back here for another exciting, riveting episode of the Shrink Think podcast. Last time we talked about shame, very riveting and exciting. (laughs) Yeah. And today we're going to talk about forgiveness and self-compassion, a follow-up to that episode. To get started, though, I would like you, Nathan Hawkins, to summarize, because you're so good at it, uh, the shame side of things, not the summarizing. You're good good at uh, summarizing things in general, because you've got a good conceptual mind. Give us a little brief overview of what was in the last episode. Obviously, we want people to go back and listen if you have not already. But tell us a bit about the shame episode so that we can connect with the forgiveness and self-compassion side of that. Well, thank you, Aaron Botrath. <laughs> yeah, so um, shame and shame really is the big deal about it is that it's completely, completely sucks. Um, and it is really basically just different from behavior in that like, so thinking, I always try to think in terms of lying, right? So you lied yesterday versus you are a liar. Shame is about who you are, not what you did. And there's a lot more to it than that, which is why I would totally encourage you to go back to our previous episode. But that's the gist. It's about who you are, not what you did. Yeah. And so as we follow that up, you know, we are talking about having done something, whether it's a single event, or maybe there was like a period of your life, or a number of choices you made that were harmful or damaging, whether it was just to yourself, like you decided to gamble $30,000 away and, you know, you spent your retirement savings. Hopefully that wasn't your entire retirement savings. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> please go back and listen to our episode with Julie on savings. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe it was a, a series. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if that's like too like harsh, but oh, that was funny. So I don't know if you have made a mistake like that, or if you've made some other mistakes, like maybe there's a period of your life where maybe you were in alcohol addiction. Um, But whatever it is, if it's a single incident, or if it's multiple things, you need, you need forgiveness and self compassion, because you probably carry a lot of guilt, and a lot of shame for yourself about that. So what is, first of all, the purpose of forgiveness and self compassion? Ultimately, it's to reestablish you to yourself. It's to give yourself back the ability to look in the mirror and be okay with what you see um, and not try to run away from it. So really, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I want to add, too, that when you talk about being restored into right relationship with yourself, 
there's, I think what you're getting at is there's like a wrong relationship that you've had with yourself. Like that kind of relationship has been, maybe it's been abusive. That's a strong word. Maybe it's just been harsh. Maybe it's been one that has not been very caring or supportive with yourself. Another aspect of that is not just being in right relationship with yourself, but it's being in right relationship with your true self. Because when you're not in relationship with your true self, it's like a distorted version of you. It's like maybe you see yourself through a negative lens of shame that sees you as bad or as broken or as unlovable or something like that, which shame will cause you to do. And so being restored is also kind of correcting that lens and that identity with yourself. Right. So that's why the shame component is such a big deal, because ultimately what you're doing when you get into a wrong relationship with yourself is you have made an agreement that you are a bad person and then you are acting that out. So then you look on these cluster of behaviors, these different things that you've done, you've drank too much regularly, you've you've spent too much money, you've been really a bad partner, and that goes on for a little while. And your behaviors look back and you think, I'm a bad person. Then you look back at your behaviors and go, I am a bad person because this is what I do all the time. Matter of fact, people would probably agree with you. So at some point, self-compassion and forgiveness allow you to change that, to stop that, to work backwards toward back to who you actually are before you started making some wonky agreement that you are a bad person and then start all this mess. I would even add, too, because a lot of people will say, we need to go back to how we used to be, or I need to go back to how I used to be. And in some ways, I agree with that. You know, it's like before all of that started, there was something that was probably better about my identity or my relationship with myself. And at the same time, there was probably something that was quite off because that led me to making those choices or those decisions. So in a lot of ways, it's not going back as much as it is revisiting a time when you were at a better place with yourself, but then also doing some healing or restorative work to repair what maybe never was there in the first place. So when we talk about forgiveness and self-compassion, we're, we're covering all of those things. Now, when we were first talking about this, I got to bring this up because I think this might be good for our listeners to hear. It gives them a couple of different perspectives to grab onto or relate with. We were talking about, should we call it forgiveness or should we call it self-compassion? And personally, I was on the self-compassion side. Actually, you had said, let's call it forgiveness. And I thought about that for a long time. And I was like, that just, just seems odd to me. I mean, I get when you do something or when you have shame that you need some forgiveness. But it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed off to me. Self-compassion made a whole lot more sense to me. And I'll explain why in a minute. But you were on the other side of forgiveness. Maybe you want to share your side and then maybe why that made more sense to you. Yeah, well, I think that partially the issue for me is that as I reflect, I don't know that there is any space between self-compassion and forgiveness. Um, Because really, you know, as you mentioned, as we were just talking about, you've done these things, let's say these, these behaviors that you've made this agreement with yourself that you're not a good person, you started doing things. When you go back to kind of predate that, the fact that like, well, you haven't always done that. The problem is, is that you're still sitting there with what you have done. So at that point, you kind of have to look at this, this place like, okay, did this, going to have to be honest about it. And I think the process of forgiveness 
is one and the same, I guess, with the process of self-compassion. I think that they just have to co-occur. I just can't separate them in my mind. Yeah, you actually had said something interesting earlier, actually just before we started recording this. You had said something about, I can't get to self-compassion without forgiving myself first. And I just thought that was an interesting sort of linear process for you because I was thinking actually on my side, I've got to go through the self-compassion or have compassion for myself in order to get to forgiveness. Because without compassion, I would just beat myself up or be harsh with myself, not even be able or willing to forgive. So I just wanted to put that out there because I think folks might have a couple of different reactions to that. And there's really no one single linear way of going about it. Like you said, they're very much intertwined and connected. So where you have one, you have the other kind of like your thoughts and emotions. It's like, it doesn't really matter which one you start with. When you get one, you're going to have the other. So let's jump into the actual... I guess, meat of this episode, which is going to be the how. How do you forgive and offer yourself compassion? Um, We talked about why that's important to be reconciled with yourself, to restore a correct version of yourself with yourself. So I've got six steps, if you will, or six things that you can accomplish that we uh, laid out here, which we'll put in the show notes for you. The first one, admit it, admit that it happened. Secondly, take responsibility. Third, acknowledge the pain. Fourth, separate actions from identity. Fifth, pay off the damages. And sixth, restoration. So, Nathan, let's get started in the how. How do you go through the process of forgiveness and self-compassion? And what is step one, admit that it happened? Yeah, well, admit that it happened can mean several different things. And, you know, the challenge for that is when you're saying that, you're really encountering all those shame statements, right? So you're saying, I did this, but in the time of of that admission, the struggle is also saying, I am a bad person. It's like, it feels pretty synonymous. So for a lot of folks, it's really hard, you know, myself <laughs> very much included, sometimes to get to the place of admitting something, especially if it's a huge deal to come up with that. But if you don't admit it, then there's actually nothing to deal with. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing to talk about. Those shame messages really get in the way, actually, of admitting that it happened. I know it seems like a really simple step to just say, like, yep, this happened, but shame will distort that. Here are a couple of examples, and I think it was um, Janina Fisher. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's a therapist who deals a lot with trauma and shame in our field, and she has talked about shame or described it as a shield, something that protects us from something worse. And I've always thought that was really interesting. So in this same regard, when I think about shame protecting me from what happened, the shame might say, oh yeah, yep, that happened. You did that. You're horrible. You're awful. And rather than looking at what happened honestly, truly, and taking some responsibility for it, it's kind of like by saying that, when shame says that, shame can dismiss it and say, yes, it hurts, but I can mute the pain by making it personal by saying, yep, I'm just a horrible person. There's nothing I can do about it. Awful, terrible. You know, how could I have this terrible, awful, you know, and then I can walk away and kind of forget about it because it's sort of compartmentalized in that muted state of shame. And I don't really have to come back to it, except, I mean, the reality is it did really happen. And there is a whole other reality going on there. I'm not really admitting So admitting that it happened is like looking at it honestly and getting rid of those excuses, getting rid of justifications, or even those self-protective mechanisms I just described to say, 
no, this is just the thing that happened. This is what I did. And this is what happened. Yeah, I think that why the next step is really about taking responsibility. Because until you admit that, you can't take responsibility. And in taking responsibility, what you're really doing is sitting inside of that admittance, per se, and saying, yeah, this really did happen. Because then the next, the next question inside of that taking responsibility is, where is my responsibility? To whom? You know, maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe, you, maybe it's just a personal failing of yourself. Maybe it's bigger than that, and it, and it involves several people. It's this whole process, again, just to circle back a little bit, is really about reestablishing yourself. And, and Aaron, what you were saying just a moment ago reminded me of when people um, have, when sh- you know, as Ms. Fisher has talked about, like shame is a shield, it really is a falsehood, right? Because what it does is it keeps you separate from yourself and separate from others. At the end of the day, it isolates you. It just puts you out there. But you can say to yourself, but you can feel essentially not that pain because there's nothing really to feel because you're in full speed avoidance of absolutely everything and pretending your life is something that it's actually not. So you don't really get to live your life, actually. Yeah, and another important aspect of taking responsibility is it brings the truth and the reality to the situation. And actually, what that does is it brings a lot of relief. It doesn't bring total relief because the third step, acknowledging the pain, um, I think brings the other sort of complete aspect of that. But just backing up to taking responsibility, when if you've ever been in a situation where maybe you you know, caught somebody doing something. Hey, did you, you know, take that? Did you put that thing in the mail, you know, that I asked you to take? Did you put that bill in the mail? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. Well, I, you know, talked to so-and-so and they didn't receive their money or something. Oh, well, I put it in the mail, you know. There's like this weird, confused feeling that you have. Maybe even at times you feel crazy because you're like, oh, I thought I saw that sitting on the counter a week beyond when it needed to go out or something. I'm just creating a silly example here. But you start to feel crazy. But when you finally realize that they got it like a week, two, two weeks later, so you have some reality going on that, no, this isn't what they said was going to happen. This is kind of an interpersonal example. Then you've got a disagreement. You've got some tension going on here. And so maybe you go and you confront the person and you say, hey, Nathan, I thought I asked you to put this in the mail. When you finally take responsibility and you say, okay, you know, it was sitting there, I, I grabbed it, I put it in my car, and then I just forgot for like a week. And then I finally stuck it in the mail because I remembered. And yeah, it was late. You know, I'm really sorry that that happened. But yep, I did that. As soon as you say that, there's like this relief that comes over me of like, finally, thank you for admitting that that's what happened. <laughs> that's what I experienced. That's what happened to me, right? And you taking responsibility is like bringing a sense of reality to the situation so that we can finally deal with life on life's terms or deal within reality to make some restitution here. I love that little example. To blow it up a little bit more, the way that that responsibility lands the consequences and this moves us into the pain piece is that if it's a big enough deal, what you're really doing by admitting that is you're also, you're calling it out and you're calling yourself out, which may mean a change in that relationship. Because really, the other person gets to decide what they do with that information. They may decide that they needed some time away from you. Like this is the 1800th time that you lied and been caught, and they don't even know how to trust you anymore. So when you're 
dealing with that responsibility and then part of the pain is really being open to all the directions that goes, which is very difficult. We're not saying this, uh, we're not bringing this topic up to say like, oh, this is going to be an easy thing that you do and there's going to be, you know, and you're going to feel really great about this, but you have to be able to be, at least I, this is my belief, I realize, but I think it's just a heck of a lot easier to just be who you are and being able to look in yourself in the mirror, like I talked about earlier, at some point, or else you're just running from yourself your whole life. Yeah, can you maybe elaborate on that when you say um, just being who you are? I, I can imagine listeners hearing that and thinking, like, what does that even mean? Do you have some, maybe just elaborate on what that looks like or how you go about that or how you think about that? Yeah, I think when you're honest with yourself and you you live that way, things are different. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, did you mail that? Nope, left it in my car for a week. I was going to talk to you about it, actually, and I totally forgot, and I mailed it late. And then it just sits there. Oh, oh, okay, that's totally different. You might be irritated, but this is not like, there's not an added offense of me lying to you. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I even like the tone of your voice when you say that. You just sort of say it with such acceptance. Yeah, this is who I am. I forgot about it. And maybe like, yep, this is the kind of thing I do all the time. <laughs> it, it might not be a pretty thing to see about yourself, but at least it is seeing yourself as you are right now. That doesn't mean you always have to stay that way. You might decide, I want to change and evolve and work on that. But at least I can see you for who you are very clearly right now. As I add this other piece of acknowledging the pain, I think there's something important that happens as well. So I mentioned bringing the reality to the situation by admitting that it happened, taking responsibility. You know, you experience this sense of relief that, okay, I'm not crazy. It did really happen. And when you acknowledge that it happened to me, the very next thing is, and can't you see how it impacted me? But that's, that's not necessarily a given because you might actually have to do a little bit of digging. When you acknowledge what happened and you take some responsibility, you might not know the internal turmoil that I've been going through. Maybe you don't know that I've been on the phone with this company you know, for 45 minutes, a couple of times saying, no, I, you know, that thing got put in the mail, you know, I mailed the checkout, you guys should have it by now, you have no idea how inconvenient that was for me and how frustrated I was. And even inside how I was trusting you to mail this, and then you didn't do it. And so now I have a sense of betrayal, because, you know, maybe this is something you've done over and over again. And so how can I trust you again with putting something in the mail? So all those things compile that you might not know, and you might have to do some asking to find out, yeah, how did this affect you? And that is part of taking responsibility. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, as you say that, to say a little bit more about being yourself, I think, like in my previous example, and to take your piece there, Aaron, that you just were, were talking about, that would be easier to deal with, I think, in the moment. But you, you would say at that point, what do you mean? I've been on this, I've been on the phone like two different times for 45 minutes. Like you're just, randomly taking this in the mail when you feel good about it, you know, like but that anger might come out. And But the difference is, is that you're working through it in the moment. You're working through the offense as it's occurring in real time. And there can be, I think, a quicker turn in reconciliation for what's happening rather than um, this continued type. Well, and also, I guess to add into there, you would not in that way be thinking about, you would be knowing that you're dealing with me like who I am. You, it wouldn't be like trying to, the confusion of trying to figure out what, what are you doing? It's more like, 
you can you can work with me to change how I am. Like if you were being defensive about something, I'm not really dealing with you. I'm dealing with the defenses or the excuses or the reasons that you might be giving me to protect you from just taking responsibility. Right. Um, I just got to take a pause here, Nathan. And I'm just realizing that um, I'm re- still really upset about you not putting that thing in the mail. Um, I, I thought this was just like a random subject we were going to talk about with people, but I got some uh, <laughs> some real anger I hear over you not putting that this thing in the mail. So I would really like you to take some responsibility and acknowledge my pain here. <laughs> Well, Aaron, I have to, I mean, I didn't realize that it was that, that big of a deal to you. I definitely am sorry. I, I honestly didn't think it, I didn't know that you were on the phone for her two different times for 45 minutes. Is there anything that I'm missing, like besides what you've already said? Yeah, just the expectation that I could trust you and that if I gave you something, I could rely on you. Now I feel alone. I feel like I can't rely on you and I can only rely on myself. Looking back on it, I've seen that I was really flippant with that. I just kind of took it and I was half paying attention to you, I think, about putting that in the mail. And so I took that amount of attention to it. I definitely don't want to lose your trust. Um, So is there anything more maybe that you need from me to help reestablish that? Or maybe we need to take time? I don't know. Actually, you just acknowledging that is really, really helpful. I think I got some internal work to do to forgive and to work through some self-compassion. So thank you for acknowledging that and just, I guess, setting the record straight because this is what happened, this is what I thought had happened, and now we're sort of back on the same page about that. So for a first step, that was really great. So thank you. Yeah, well, if there's anything um, as you kind of process stuff that you think that you, you know, that you want to make me aware of, I'm open to that. I realize that you may not just want to give me any mail, you know, to be doing anything with at this point. But I want you to know that if you choose to do that, I'm going to take it really serious. And it may be more serious than you even mean it just because your trust is that important to me. So at this point of our drama, <laughs> of our, uh, the dramatic reading uh, of our little episode here, I'm thinking to myself about step four, separate the actions from the identity. I kind of wanted to go into that little drama thing just so you can see how it plays out between two people because... When you're with yourself, you're talking with yourself, it can get a little confusing because you're not sure, like, wait, who's talking and who's listening, who needs to apologize, sort of a thing. This whole thing that Nathan and I are doing is inside of you. You know, you've got a part of you that wronged another part of you, especially if it's like a, a tremendous value to you. If you have a, like a standard or a value and you have violated that, then you've really betrayed yourself. You've broken trust with yourself. At this point, I guess what I'm getting at is, I now need to separate Nathan, Nathan's actions from his identity. I need to see that instead of looking at him as a liar or as somebody who is lazy or somebody who is incompetent, those would be like good judgmental shaming labels, and they might feel accurate, but I don't want to use feeling words to describe him because then I'm going to be characterizing him based on how I'm feeling rather than who he really is. Instead, I want to say, okay, Nathan is maybe he struggles with consistency or um, he's forgetful or he just didn't realize how important that was to me. All those things are separating who he is from the actions that had happened. Right. And that's the same, you know, the same situation inside your own self that you'd want to, to go back and look at your actions for what it is that you did. Well, like take drinking for an example, you know, well... 
you drank too much on Saturday, you drank too much on Sunday, you chose not to drink that much on you know Monday and Tuesday because it's the work week, let's say, until you actually look at the drinking, you're actually just kind of doing this pattern of behavior and that's it. But um, you may be agreeing with yourself that like, well, I'm just kind of a, a bad person. So, and then you're doing that by, by drinking or whatever. And I'm not saying the people that drink, drink are, are agreeing that all the time. You know, people have healthy relationships with alcohol. Other people, not us. <laughs> I know you're out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, but at some point you have to, you have to look at that and go, okay, what am I really doing here? You know? And then, and then look at it and go, why, why am I doing that? Why is there a, like, I seem to be drinking much more than other people. Um, also, I've got problems with it. Maybe you've had some, some stuff that has happened that is not good by anybody's standards. Maybe a driving issue or, or something else. Um, but you still are going to have to look at, like, be honest with yourself that, yeah, that's what happened, you know? And maybe you say something to yourself like, you know what? this is just a beverage, man. Like this is actually liquid. That's all this is. And why are you doing what you're doing? And at that point, you, you need to start, that's kind of the process where you start to separate out like who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Because when you pull out the who you are piece, you can actually look at what you're doing. Because if I say I'm lazy, or, or let me just take this back to you. If I say you're lazy or you're you know, incompetent, there's nothing you can do about that. You're, you're just screwed, basically, because you are this. You cannot be something else. But if I take the, that personal stuff out and I say you are doing these things, then you could potentially do other things. So it helps you to look at the behavior and the motivation behind that. Let's keep moving along. We've got number five here is paying off the damages. Once you can acknowledge that this thing happened and take responsibility, acknowledge the pain and separate who the person is or who you are from what you've done, you can realize, okay, there are some damages that need to be taken into account or consideration. So in the example of the mail and the phone call, uh, like the 45-minute phone calls, I have trusted you. I have, you know, given you this mail and I had to be on the phone multiple times and that's time from my schedule that I maybe didn't have or inconvenience that I had to pay because of your mistake. And so that's really what we're talking about with damages. When you do something to yourself, there are some damages that maybe you didn't intend or you didn't want, but that you are suffering from and you are paying the cost for. And in order to forgive, I I like to think about it like a legal situation where there's an offense or a crime that was committed by a different part of you. Uh, maybe an impulsive part, or maybe a thoughtless part, a, a part that maybe was scared. That part committed an offense, and you get to pay the cost for it. You know, they did some property damage to you, and you now have to recoup the money, or you have to recover your reputation or something. So you have to pay all these damages off in order to be restored back into relationship with that part of yourself. Right. And, and um, sometimes those damages, you find out more as you go. They're not necessarily immediate. And, you know, from people, people may or may not notice at first what's going on in you when you're, when you're doing the self-forgiveness piece. I mean, really, 
the thing about forgiveness that I think separates the that piece out from self-compassion, but and, and at the same time, my conceptual self goes, well, that's kind of the same, is you need to, to remember, it's this remembering to not bring this thing back up and beat yourself over the head with it. Because you're going to be going through something and then you're going to realize like, oh, I remember when I did blah, blah, you know, and then there's this sucking sound like that when it's a vacuum cleaner, you back into that whole scenario emotionally. And you have to look at it and go, you know what? You forgave yourself of that. That's not who you are. (sighs) Take a breath and continue on what you were just doing. You don't have to go back and reprocess a bunch of stuff, but it's, you, you get in a situation where you're reminded of those damages. The damages get paid once. They don't get paid 35. I mean, if, if I owe somebody 35 bucks and I pay them 35 bucks, I don't need to give them 35 bucks every time that I see them again. And they might be reminded of, like you said, reminded of that situation, the damages. Maybe they're in another situation where they need, you know, 35, maybe even just the number 35 bucks comes up and they're reminded of the situation and the pain they went through. Forgiveness happens over and over again. I describe it as taking a path when you decide to move in a certain direction maybe there's a fork in the road or there's a decision point where you say okay i am going to go down this road i'm going to choose to go down this road there's there's a single choice at that point but then every step you take down that path is another choice i'm going to continue to choose and choose and choose and choose down this path and so paying off the damages is like that you know you pay it off and that doesn't mean you forget. I mean, that would be unwise. You know, you want to be mindful of what your own capabilities are. Because if you have a tendency, if we're talking about alcohol, for example, if I have a tendency toward drinking or problematic drinking, then I need to, even though I've paid off those damages, I need to still be aware that that's a possibility for me. And that's not, you know, mean or harsh or rude to hold it over myself to think that's still a possibility. That's actually still kind of being respectful of myself, saying, I know it's a possibility, and I'm still going to keep that part of me at bay. And that maybe is, in terms of restoration, our last step here, that might be the best way to be restored to myself or that part of myself. Restoration is really about looking at myself honestly and saying, who am I? What am I capable of? And what am I doing? And what do I need to do differently? And then accepting those things and then making peace within myself for where I'm at right now. Again, that doesn't mean I have to stay there, but I can continue to grow from there. But it is accepting of myself where I am right now. And one thing that I just want to mention as part of that process of the paying damages, in my $35 example, if you're going back and next time you see them and you've already paid the $35 and you're going to go pay that again, you're really what you're doing is you're shifting everything onto the other person because they're having to, what you're trying to do is have them say, I forgive you. No, you don't have to do that type of a thing. And so it ends up making it not about your process anymore. You're not, you're actually stuck um, believing in that way that you're a pile of crap. And then the other person, you're kind of in a weird way getting validation from the other person about that. So you really need to settle part of that payment is you paid it. And you check in with yourself or with another person and say, are we good? Like you're, you're paid. Okay. And then you actually just have to sit with that, even though it feels like, man, we're not good. Well, no, they said that we, we are. Well, we're not like we were. Well, you might not be like you were. Well, okay, what can you do? Well, we can continue to be who we know 
we know we are, like we can continue to not do that type of action again. We can continue to work to to not do those types of behaviors anymore. And that's part of the restoration is is being back to who you are and reconciled to who you are to be able to look yourself in the mirror and go, no, I, you know, I'm, I am not that person. Yes, I did that. And I've lost some stuff now because I obeyed those behaviors for way too long. Uh, but that's really not who I am. And just to add to that as well, also part of restoration is doing things differently. With the male example, if you've been forgetting or shirking it or just not taking it seriously, part of restoration in our relationship then would be, okay, I need to start taking this more seriously. I'm going to start doing something different. And that is you being restored because you realize how important that is to me and the effects that it's had on me and our relationship and really ultimately on yourself because you've been kind of ignoring something that actually is important to you. You've, you've been ignoring your, I guess, the value that you put on me and our relationship. And instead, you know, whatever you've been doing with those behaviors that's causing you to forget. So hopefully this whole topic and subject has been really helpful. Um, Hopefully it it brings a lot of clarity, you know, the purpose of forgiveness and self-compassion to be reconciled with yourself, right relationship with yourself and with your true self. And just want to summarize the points here again, in case you need it, the steps of how to do that are to admit what happened, to take responsibility to acknowledge the pain, separate the actions from your identity, to pay off the damages, and then to move into restoration. I just want to say, you know, in, in this holiday season of traditions, um, you may be looking at, at yourself as kind of this this reflection time, right? You know, it's the New Year's coming up. Thank God we're out of this year. I completely realize as a fellow human, as you're listening to this, it, it is a very hard thing. You probably have something on your mind that's happened while we've been talking and you you're playing around with it one way or the other with what you should do with it the first thing you need to do in taking an admission is just admitting it to yourself that it really was a big deal and you're really not that person but you did do it and just continuing on in the process but i just encourage you right now you know, have a happy holiday season, of course, but just be honest with yourself. Yeah. And I just want to close up by adding also that one of the things that I know we love about our job is when people come in and share these kinds of things, it's really easy for us to say, yeah, I know, I get it. I've done that too. Or I have felt that same way. So I just want to also remind you that whatever it is that Nathan uh, so graciously cause you to think about here <laughs> that you're chewing on. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, he says. Um, I want you to just remember that you're not the only one that feels that way. You're not the only one that thinks those things. You're not the only one that does those things. There are a lot of us out there. In fact, it's called the human race. We're all there, right, right there with you. And so walk this journey with us. Try to let go of the shame and walk into forgiveness and self-compassion because There's going to be a lot of life and we're going to make lots of mistakes and that just needs to be okay. Thanks for listening and we hope you have a good holiday season. We'll see you next time on our show. Yeah, have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, 
nine ways to overcome fear and self-doubt, and you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.